Coming up on a bumper episode of the Big Footy Podcast, North Melbourne lose, Fremantle lose, the Blues win, and we talk about the head-high contact rule. All that and more coming right up. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Big Footy Podcast. I am, of course, the Wookiee with you for another week. Joining me tonight, I have uh, a man who needs no introduction to regular listeners of the podcast, a man who is eagerly anticipating the Bulldogs, uh, well, second premiership. Uh, Mike, um, (laughs) welcome to the podcast. Hello, Wookiee. How are you? Um, I'm quite disappointed that Seppo's not here tonight to talk about Frio's great... Uh, week, but a uh, great season so far. But I'll gather uh, Messenger uh, took that up last week. I didn't get to listen to last week's podcast, unfortunately, so I, I do plead ignorance that one. But I'm sure that it was well and truly discussed last week. Uh, we did we did uh, cover it significantly. Although going from Norton nine and Norton ten is a you know something perhaps a step up that needs to be looked at. Seppo <laughs> will hopefully join us later in the podcast uh, if Windows updates allow. Uh, joining us once again uh, here tonight to uh, defend his club and his players. Uh, well, Kangas, Kangas forever. Welcome back. Thank you. I'm, I'm always defending him. <laughs> the case lately. Uh, well, you've got to. If you love your club, you've got to defend him. That's right. <laughs> and uh, he'll, he'll be eagerly participating in this week's Big Footy Podcast debate on high tackles. Sorry, don't on. worry, Kangas. We won't hold it against you. Have a guess. Have a guess what side he'll be taking. In that debate, lots to talk about this week, but before we get into it, guys, uh, your highlights from the weekend, and uh, look, we'll start with Mike. Uh, is there such thing as highlights? Uh, oh, God, I don't know. If, if I could have a highlight, I guess it would be playing so badly and still winning a game, uh, as we did against Collingwood, um, which I think we didn't really deserve to win, but hey, them's the breaks, and uh, we took our opportunity. But uh, oh, it was a it was a game of awful, awful skills. <laughs> well, fair enough. Um, Kangas, your highlight for the week, Emma? My highlight probably probably more lowlights, but I'll start with a highlight. Probably I know you're going to like this, but I like the Carlton win. I did watch that. That was I quite enjoyed that seeing Geelong lose to a couple. Lower ranked size in the last couple of weeks has been great. I quite enjoyed uh, fellow contenders for the Premiership failing, except for Sydney. And the low light will probably be in recent news just today is that Trent Dumont's going to be facing court next year over that taxi incident. So it's not great. Go ahead, Wookie. Well, obviously, obviously my highlight was uh, the Blues win over the Cats on the weekend. Uh, great to see the guys get up. No one, no one uh, really called that. Um, even I wasn't really expecting it. I went into the week suggesting that the Blues would go in uh, six and six at the bye, but uh, it looks like we could end up being as good as seven five. We're not talking uh, seven four. We're not talking finals yet. Obviously, uh, it's premature to talk that. But there's a glimmer of hope on the horizon there for those of us that have been long suffering at the Blues for some years now. <laughs> no, well, actually, self-inflicted, exactly. But no, look, it was a good win by Carlton. Obviously, no one, 
I don't think there was anyone there that had uh, Carlton games for the win, even the diehard Carlton fans. But um, yeah, I guess you know this year anything's possible, and I don't. I still believe it's an open race for the flag this year. Mm, I'll tell you one of the things that caught my eye over the weekend: uh, the women's footy at Adelaide Oval on uh, on the weekend where the game was in progress and the Crows players decided <laughs> to um, go out onto the field and right, onto the actual oval itself while the game was in progress to uh, start their pre-game warm-up. Uh, just right. kick to kick on the wing. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> There's a game going on around them, you know. <laughs> now, you've got to wonder how serious the clubs are taking it when stuff like that's allowed to happen. No apologies from, uh, from the club. They have just said that it was a misunderstanding and uh, that there was some miscommunication and it won't happen again. How you can miscommunicate the fact that there is a game in play at the moment to your players who have obviously seen a football game before is uh, a little bit beyond me. But uh, I thought that was amusing in one perspective and kind of sad in another. But, um, yeah. Now, Mike, uh, there's been an update on Jared Roughhead. Well, I think there's nothing nothing new that we don't know um, in terms of Jared Roughhead. But, yes, it's uh, pretty crappy. It's It's gone to his lungs now. So I think the whole football world's uh, looking at for Jared and, and uh, working for Jared there. It's not a nice thing, but he's going to uh, obviously take up the fight and uh, and give it all he's got. So we all, I think we all hope. You know, he's, he's one of those footy players who's very hard not to like. He's an honest bloke. And... Uh, He's obviously a cousin for uh, uh, jo- jo- sorry, Jared, Jordan Ruffhead. So, uh, you know, we wish him all the best. Mm. And I think we had that up in, the, in our banner um, last week or the week before. And ladies and gentlemen, say a belated hello to Seppo, who has just joined us. Good evening, guys. Oh, good evening, Seppo. Hey. You oh, made I got it. on uh, due to technical difficulties. <laughs> just, just in time to uh, discuss uh, the prospects that... Well, the Dockers are apparently offended that uh, they could be tanking, apparently. The allegations are there that uh, they're tanking. Connor Blakely, who I've never heard of before today, uh, apparently uh, said that the talk of tanking is ridiculous. Seppo, what's going on there? Yeah, I think it's just now, as um, I suppose I said last week, we've been trying hard to win, and um, the fact that we're 0-10 now is um, Owen's turned 10 years old, and we're... uh, yeah, we're going to be accused of tanking because no clubs can go from you know doing that well last season to where we are now. And if we do lose to the Bombers, you know, questions must be answered. But I think the Connor in his um, media gig today basically said it the best, saying players don't go out there; they're going out there to win. Um, there's no chance they'll even give the directives to lose. You know, we're um, we're sort of you know running out of players quickly. You know, even from this weekend's game, we lost Garrick Ibbotson for four weeks, another one of our defenders, and one of our even young rookies that might have been looking at getting a game soon. He's injured, so it's not by choice. I think we're in this position. So all the uh, talk of tanking is just laughable. Mm. And mm. Ross Lyon today saying that uh, it's going to be up to Matt, uh, well, to Pav when he uh, retires. They're not going to force him out at the end of the season. Yeah, I don't think it was really a, a question. Um, I suppose it's just the media um, beat up as well, just trying to get into Pav because having such a bad season and, and he's down on form. But he's still kicking a couple of goals and laying tackles and actually getting involved more than other players. So I think he's actually gone pretty all right, even though the stats and our wins don't do the talking. But definitely he'll make the call, and I don't think he'll do it mid-year. He probably doesn't want it to be about him. He was 
Um, very you know, cautious about talking about it last year. I think he's going to hold off to the season ends, but it's probably definitely his last year, but it'll be his call at the end, I reckon. Mm. Now, the Saints are apparently looking at going to New Zealand again, Kangas. Um, what's, mm. what's, what's, what's the school of thought here? Well, I think it's similar to what we're doing with Tasmania in the sense that we're they're just going to try and expand as much as they can and alleviate some of their debt because I think they're getting a bit of money out of it and I think um, Government New Zealand's getting a bit of money out of it so it's certainly an interesting prospect that they're actually trying it again. Hopefully it works this time for the Saints. Mm. They're looking at Auckland this time instead of uh, Wellington which makes more sense. Auckland's a bigger city. There is actually a small Australian rules football competition in Auckland uh, which is basically the basis for most of New Zealand footy at the moment. So it might might be a better location to go to. How did Definitely. they go last time they played there? Anyone have any ideas about whether or not they broke even or they made money out of it? Uh, they didn't make a... Uh, well, the Saints did because it was all underwritten by the AFL and the, the city of Wellington. But um, the crowds dwindled over the three years that they were there for. And then the, it was actually the city of Wellington that cancelled the arrangement for the, uh, the final two years oh. of the deal. So, whether they can get a deal to uh, play in Auckland or not remains to be seen, but I wouldn't be too hopeful if I was the Saints. And I've said it before, I think the these Melbourne clubs, they should be looking uh, more at country Victoria for their, for their uh, games than they should be looking in a state or overseas. You wonder what the monetary difference is for selling a game to Tassie or... What do Richmond do? Go up north to Gold Coast or Cairns or wherever it is they sell out their games to. You just wonder how much they're actually getting for going to those markets or what the AFL's trying to do to pick up more sort of revenue or spread the game into some of those markets, what it does. Well, yeah. If, if the Bulldogs can sell games to, like, Ballarat, why, why couldn't uh, St Kilda sell a game or two to Frankston? Mm. Which would make a geographic sense, in a way. I don't know. It's just a thought. Well, it's worth a bit of money because we're on the we're about to sign another five year deal. There's probably three more games in per year in Tasmania, and they're saying that's worth roughly forty three million dollars in basically economic benefits to mm. Hobart, which is interesting. And that might provide a boost to Frankston, more money for the growing the game, etc. So it's definitely a school for thought there. I mean, you've got to wonder if, uh, like, you can go to Bendigo and play in front of twelve to 13,000 and make a crap load of money off everything there. Or yep. you can go to Hobart, uh, or you can go to uh, Auckland and hope that you get a deal that may or may not be cancelled in the future that your supporters can't get to unless they fly. Mm. I mean, I, I've always thought that the, the solution to the Victorian club's problems is to look... It, it, to the big uh, Victorian country cities that very rarely get to see uh, Australian football at its best. But that's by the by, yes? Yep. Mm. Now, uh, the, but one of the major talking points over the weekend that came out, now Dermot Brereton teed off on this over the weekend, was the head-high uh, contact rule. And the allegations that certain players are throwing themselves uh, or into tackles or dropping the knees or ducking the head or doing or basically staging for the free kick. And Dermot Brennan was quite angry about this. 
and other other former players. Uh, Wayne Carey, uh, for some reason, came out and defended a North player. So, that's pretty rare. I'll tell you, that's rare. That's, uh, you know, you know. He doesn't do that. No. It's, so that's what we're doing tonight in the, in the second of our uh, series of Big Footy podcast debates. Last week, of course, we talked about the red card. This week, Seppo and Kangas Forever are going to debate for us the merits of the present system. Kangas, of course, is going to take Lindsay Thomas, I mean, the current rules side. And uh, Seppo <laughs> is uh, going to argue the opposite for us. So we're going to start, we're going to give Kangas a chance to defend himself before Seppo tees off. Oh, well, I, I'm actually not totally against a bit of a rule change, but anyway, I'll, I'll defend my man as well as I can. So basically, we all know it's not a great look on the game, to be honest. We don't like seeing a lot of free kicks. We like a free-flowing game. And the two free kicks that were paid to Thomas were legitimately there. The players that were tackling him were charging at him. And he did he duck, he didn't duck into it, but he... He, pu- he pushes back into it, which is a bit different from Selwood, where he raises his arm and shoulder to actually draw the free kick, which is, it is a free kick there every day of the week. And it's, it's really much about whether you're going to protect the head or not. And currently, we're very much about protecting the head, and the current rules do do that. In terms of Lindsay Thomas, he hasn't received as many free kicks as he averages. This year alone, he's only gotten four high free kicks compared to guys like McLean, Matheson, etc. Matheson's a... Yeah, we won't go there. In any case, the head's sacrosanct and needs to be protected. Go ahead, Seppo. Well, I, uh, I've seen Lindsay Thomas not only just over the last week, but I think he's copying a lot of criticism for probably how he's been playing over the last couple of um, years almost with his accentuated movement and kind of like how it was compared to in the media recently about, you know, Lloyd in his days of sort of um, diving forward. It's it's his action of actually going back in, almost engaging that head-high contact that I don't like, that should almost stop paying. I, I don't think it should go the other way and, you know, pin him for acting, but, you know, cut that stuff out. And the the way he sort of engages the, the head-high tackle, like you said, it's different to Selwood one. It's, um, yeah, it's uh, not a good look. And w- when you start to get people, you know, diving for free kicks, I just... Kind of what we were talking about last week with the uh, the comparisons with soccer. You just hate to people to get into that mode of uh, you know diving and staging, and they almost have to start pinning it there, or you know definitely stop paying yeah. for high contacts. It's probably um, terminology. I think gets people a bit rolled up because you can call it diving. It is slightly dropping the body weight, like a lot of players actually do do. A lot of small forwards do. You see Poppy do it all the time, but he doesn't cop the same amount of stuff that Thomas does. Problem is with Thomas, he's, he has had that history in the past of staging. And staging is a bit different. Staging is actually when he looks like he's flying out of a cannon, like Bartell or Thomas actually did with Enright a couple of years ago. With diving, diving is very much about, very much about this driving down into the actual lower half and trying to draw the contact in the lower half. But Thomas's problem is he he's near the goals and he cops a lot of freeze towards more of the goals and. He gets a lot of goals from freeze in that regard. Selwood typically gets it in the midfield, so I think that is a difference. But Thomas is a victim of his own history, basically. I just wish they'd use consistent footage when they're trying to prove a point. They, uh, they, they, like when they're trying to throw, like they're showing footage on the weekend of people allegedly drawing free kicks, and there's some that are clearly free kicks. 
yeah. in, in that footage. And then there's some where people are throwing themselves backwards into into tackles, like uh, Seppo was saying. And that's not a good look. That's the ones I have a problem with, where they are throwing themselves back uh, into the tackle or where Selwood, uh, who was cited on the weekend, is not uh, on on uh, on the couch, is not drawing enough attention for this, where Thomas was getting criticised, which bemused me greatly because a couple of years ago it was all about the Selwoods and their ducking. So yeah, but the thing is, we haven't had this much hysteria. Like, Selwood started this a few years ago. We didn't have as much hysteria as we have now about Thomas, and Thomas doesn't get even now doesn't get as many frees as say a Selwood or Matheson or McLean. So why is that hysteria there? I'd argue that a couple of years ago, mate, the the hysteria over Selwood and his ducking was a lot worse than Thomas is getting now. Oh, definitely, I'd agree with that. It's it's definitely started to creep in as the next sort of. Almost, it's like the way that the players are trying to find ways to bend the rules. Mm. You know, they're making it hard for the umpires. It's the next phase. It will be something else soon. You know, it was the the hands in the back a couple of years mm. ago, the pushing and bumping, and now it was you know the not rewarding the tackle for holding the ball. And they've kind of cleaned up on that a bit. It's probably just the next phase. It'll be something else soon. But uh, it's it's the thing with Thomas now because he's doing it. It. It must frustrate some North fans as well. They're just sick of it. I know from a Freo point of fan, we've got guys like Subin and Walters that tend to almost like that boxing technique of ducking and moving their head around when you think they're just trying to get in that position when they should just be concentrating on getting the footy out. You know, there's a prior opportunity. As soon as you start to duck and weave out of a attack or try and draw that high contact, it should be uh, considered a free kick. And I'd be happy for some of our own players to be pinned for it. Yeah, uh, Murphy used to do the same for us. Mm. hasn't hasn't done it so much this year. Maybe it's because he's wearing a helmet most of the time. Mm. But yeah. Uh, yeah, Murphy used to do it as well. So you know, every club has their has their players that do it. It's not just Geelong and West Coast and North Melbourne. Um, yeah. I'm sure if you look hard enough, you can find it. Port used to have specialists in it years ago. Like the uh, Peter Burgoyne was an expert at it. So was Gavin Wanganine. Um Anyway, now the Port, things I don't like the Port with the uh, arguments. That's been uh, cast about in the media and everything is all the stats to say that you know Lindsay Thomas has only had three of these high free kicks paid, but it, it's not necessarily about the stats that are paid. It's the actual action. Sometimes the umpires are smart enough to let it go, but it's what he's actually doing that's not getting called for. It's not showing up on the stat sheet like most free kicks are. Yeah, well, the thing the, the thing is with that, it's and this is what's upsetting a few North posters about the media. It's not so much myself. I understand what the media is focusing on, and your points are valid is the fact that what, Thomas isn't the only one doing this. And why isn't? And that's why we keep pointing back to those stats is he's not the only one doing some sus stuff. Other players do do it. Well, I think it's partly because he was on Friday Night Footy. Yeah. It's the most watched game of the round, you know. And you say you take that Sydney North game and put it on the Sunday afternoon time slot. Not everyone's talking about it. Yeah, no, no one cares on Sunday afternoon. But Friday night, primetime TV, the whole, the whole country's got the vision. It's going to draw a little bit more. It's it's like it's like rules that get enforced on a Friday night that you don't see that you don't really pay as much attention to during the rest of the weekend. You just oh, it's the Friday night rule. Yeah. But uh, the reality is they're enforced across the weekend for the most part. Mike, you've been pretty quiet during the whole thing. <laughs> I was trying to chime in, but I kept getting beaten to it. No, look, I was going to say, um, you know, the other issue too is that you can change the rules, but you, you you're never going to get a consistent approach with that rule. And we've seen hard, we've seen it as it is so far this season. The umpires are having problems just just applying a consistent approach to some of the rules in terms of ducking and and, and you know head high contact. 
So that's a, that's another battle in itself. You know, you know, it seems that uh, you can change the rules and try as much as possible to balance it out. But again, you've got to fall back and rely on human, um, you know, that that human component, which no one's perfect. And then you've got to try and hope that the umpires are consistent, which is just never going to happen. Mm. So I don't think it's something unfortunate that you, you, we're going to get be able to, to uh, rub out unless the AFL makes it a very clear mandate that any player who either lowers the knees or ducks ahead or leans back is uh, not going to draw a free. But then again, again, you know, umpires get blocked through vision um, or they get influenced by the it's... crowd or, you know, or they apply things differently. Mm. There's a lot of grey areas with that, as I said, because there's different ways people do it. Like, look, there's a lot of difference between, say, a Miles or a Zeeble or a Selwood, because they draw them different ways. Say, a Zeeble and a Miles, they tend to attack the ball head on, and the Selwood might just lift his arm or something like that, which is perfectly fine. And umpires might interpret it differently as they interpret, say, the out of bounds and the deliberate out of bounds. Now, you can see how much grey areas with that currently. There's a lot of issues in grey areas with it, rule interpretations. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, unfortunately, it's just one of those issues where we're going to have to deal with and hope the umpires can use a little bit more um, common sense about, you know, we've got to remember it's a split-second uh, decision that they've got to call, make that call, and they have to start being a little bit uh, uh, risky about it and actually start calling it, you know, play on or, or no free kick um, and try and force players out of that behaviour. Yeah. Mm. The other thing that um, occurred to me this weekend is obviously it's origin time in the rugby league, and uh, they had their origin game tonight. Eighty thousand two hundred and fifty-one fans turned out to ANZ Stadium for New South Wales v Queensland. Um, if you're wondering, the score was pretty low tonight, uh, four to six so far in the second half. It's nearly over, so. Interesting stuff. Go Queensland, anyway. Um, <laughs> but the que- the question, as as always, is asked at this time of the year: What can like, should Origin make a return? And I know Messenger he hates Origin. He he is an absolute anti-Origin man. Uh, what are your thoughts, guys? I've had some uh, interesting thoughts over the last couple of days. It's State of Origin has dominated the airways over the last couple of days on not talkback radio, and um, I think. It's almost time that we could probably bring it back, but it's all about the timing and the reason why the AFL probably dropped it when um, it sort of came in. I think it was around, what, 92, I think, when West Coast were probably one of the major um, sides probably competing in it where they would, you know, represent their state. Now that you've actually got a better mix of teams and if they don't want to impact the home and away season, they can probably... Not sure. Have a, a round robin of four teams with you know Vic, SA, WA, and maybe the Allies or New South and Queensland together, and almost do as at a postseason week after the grand final. That you know you can probably get a pool of very good players. I'm not sure how they'd back it up, but um, you'd definitely like to see something. Definitely not pre-season to impact you know player injuries and everyone's complaining about, or do it mid-season. But I reckon something you know week after the grand final would make a, a good event. Mm. I was talking to the guys just before we started re- uh, recording the podcast about um, like a couple of options perhaps being uh, having a three-match series at the end of the season. So you have the grand final, and then two weeks later we go into like origin mode where you'd have like South Australia would play Victoria, uh, Western Australia would play uh, South Australia or Victoria or whoever, 
And, but you'd get those three matches. You'd get one match in each of the big three states. Um, you could have Queensland play New South Wales in that time as well. Um, so you can you can kind of build something off that. But because um, Queensland isn't going to beat any of the big three states and New South Wales isn't going to either. You could have extended benches if you needed to. Short, you know, Don't play time on, shorten, whatever you need to to get the game off the ground. But it's got to be better than always going to this Mickey Mouse international rules concept that they go to every year. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, even if they alternate it. So we have Origin one year, international rules the next. Um, I think that would be better than the current... If, if we can spare the time and the players to have two international rules games a year, um, we can find the time to have Origin in some way. Even if it's one game, even if it's two games... There's got to be a way to do it, and it seems to me that when the, when the Crows and when West Coast came in, it just became too hard to sell the idea of Origin. People, and they, they didn't really try. And so I, I think um, I, I think some effort needed to be put into that. And when did they play it back? Because I wasn't around when they um, did it in the late what was it 80s, early 90s. It was mid-season. There was a mm. there was a mid-season break, uh, oh, like a buy round where they yeah. It was like a Wednesday night too, I reckon. Mm. They, they did it midweek, I think. So, anyway, I, I mean, I don't want to belabor this debate because we do this every year and no doubt it'll come up on Big Footy again uh, tomorrow, if not already. So, um, that's inevitable. So, we'll just move straight on to, uh, well, this week, well, we'll move on to the ladder for a start. And if you turn your hymnals to the AFL website, folks... Uh, for those of you that aren't already there. And the ladder, when it loads for me, will tell me things that I want to know. Oh, we all know who's on top. Uh, North Melbourne remaining on top, but having uh, copped a bit of a defeat uh, over the weekend, unfortunately. Well, fortunately, depending on who you are. But they are 9-1 and one North Melbourne. Uh, so good effort there for the Kangas. Uh, they'll be facing Richmond this weekend. We'll get to that. Momentarily, the Swans at eight and two coming in second place. Um, any chance to your flag favouritism here, guys? Definitely. They they absolutely their pressure was just outstanding. The way they can their defence and they just set up so well and they keep rotating all the veterans out for the younger players. That I think they're very much a threat this year. So any, anyone else changing their 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 premiership tips based on the weekend? Oh, I'd probably throw Sydney as well as West Coast and maybe Geelong if they can get it back together. I just think the Swans uh, have got a complete package running for them at the moment. I think you have to have you, you certainly have to have the Swans in contention there. West Coast, though, I'm still going to call them the flat track bullies, and I guess we'll see that when when yeah. they take on us um, this weekend. But um, I don't think they can win away from home. But you know, I'm I'm still not going to call Sydney flag favourites. I still think. You know, it's been an interesting season so far with a lot of ups and downs in terms of results, so I still think anything can happen just yet. Now, after that, there's five teams on seven and three uh, between third and seventh. So Geelong, GWS, West Coast, the Western Bulldogs and Hawthorne all on seven and three, and I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like it at this time of the year. Uh, They're in the top eight. And the Adelaide Crows, of course, six and four. Um, it, it, it's an irregular situation in the top eight. Mm. Usually you've got that bottleneck of teams around this time mm. of the year sort of fighting for the eighth, but mm. there's almost a clear delineation between 
top eight sides and then the rest, basically. So there's a lot of people prepared to put a line through anyone after Adelaide saying, you know, Melbourne and Port and Carlton can't make it. But I still think there's plenty of footy to play it out and maybe some of those teams slide out. Absolutely. We're round what round eleven this weekend, so I think it's way too early to be ruling sides out of the eight, especially when there's two games separating eleventh from third at the moment. And it's amazing, even when you look at what the uh, squiggle predictors saying that North will drop all the way down to seventh or eighth. So they do have a tough run coming up. So a lot can actually change within the eight as well. Now just outside the eight, of course, uh, we have again a small, uh, a small log jam there between ninth and eleventh, where we've got Melbourne and Port Adelaide and Carlton on uh, five and five. Uh, Carlton with some very winnable games coming up against Brisbane and St Kilda, all at Eddie Had Stadium, heading into the bye. Bit of work to do on their percentage, though, if they want to oh, uh, start jumping teams. Percentage <laughs> is woeful, but uh, first time this year they kicked 100 points for the season, so um, there's a little bit of work to be done there on the goal-kicking front. And then again, uh, three teams on four and six, uh, between 12th and 14th, Collingwood, St Kilda, uh, Richmond having won three in a row, um, and then we get down to the stragglers there in the Gold Coast Suns, three and seven, five losses in a row there. The Brisbane Lions, again, five losses in a row. Uh, Essendon, five losses in a row. Uh, Ten and one for both Brisbane and Essendon there. And, of course, Seppo's precious Fremantle, uh, who are tanking, of course, at the bottom there. On, uh, in a row. <laughs> with five losses in a row. Uh, which brings us, of course, to round 11. And... Uh, Friday night, North Melbourne again on Down Friday night. It's uh, you know, they're taking it back, guys. Uh, North Melbourne, and they've got Richmond in Tasmania. Yep, big game at Blundstone Arena. Um, Kangas, what are we expecting? Um, cold Tasmanian conditions, basically. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's going to be. It's going to be like so, the Ice Age down there, isn't it? It's it's not going to be as bad as that Melbourne game where it was about ten goal wind, but yeah, <laughs> it's it going to be. It's going to be as game. cold as the game in Perth the other week, where only twenty thousand Frio supporters turned up to a game that was sold out. <laughs> uh, not quite. It's only got about roughly, I think, seventeen, eighteen thousand capacity, so it's not a massive ground. But apparently, it's close to being sold out because the Tigers are very popular down there and North very popular down there too. So it should be a good game. I expect my boys just to get over it and bounce back. What's the conditions like down there? Because every time I think of uh, Blundstone Arena, I just think of that game, I think North versus uh, West Coast last year where balls were getting kicked into the air one direction and they almost had a reverse yeah. trajectory on them flying back the other way. It's like I'm struggling game. to call it not 15 because the ball would travel probably about 100 metres but gone all of a metre. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Now, uh, Hawthorne have got Melbourne at the MCG on Saturday afternoon, Seppo. Uh, who's going to win this? Um, well, you'd think straightforward restaurants would be uh, the favourites, but you never know what happens these days. It's um, Melbourne, I know they probably had a dismal showing up in Port. and Well, Hawks, Messenger's not here to defend their uh, sort of late result over uh, Brisbane, but I'll say this is another danger game. Um, Hawks by 70. 
Hawks by 70. 70. <laughs> in a danger game at the MCG. All right, you heard it here, folks. Uh, Seppo predicting 11-goal victories there. Well, if you just look at their last uh, four times they've met, Hawks by 66, by 95, by 50, and by 105. So just averaging out there, I think 76 to well. No, no stock in the improvement this year? <laughs> oh, you, you think uh, Melbourne have probably just done the old two steps forward, one step back, um, and Hawks have probably now just starting to pull things together. So oh, I think it's sort of back to normal as business for Hawks and same for Melbourne, really. So you give Melbourne absolutely zero chance against Hawthorne? Well, no chance go. at all. No chance. All right, Carlton have got Brisbane at uh, Etihad Stadium in a game that I think is definitely winnable for Carlton, but I would say that. Mike, what do you think? Look, given the way Brisbane are travelling these days, I really don't hold much hope for them down here. Um, I don't know. They've got too many outs, really, to mount any challenge against uh, Carlton at this moment, Carlton's resurgence. So I'd say, look, it won't be a bloodbath, but I think it'll be about 20 to 30 point win. Have Carlton lost much out of the weekend's game, Wookie? Is it Murphy that looks like he's out? Yeah, it's just Murphy missing uh, from the team that played on the weekend. He'll be out for a couple of weeks. But uh, anyone who thought Cruiser was just barely scraping into the side missed his run down the wing, uh, chasing after one of the Geelong players in the third quarter where he ran about 70 metres at full tilt and then went back into the ruck in the middle. So surprising said, results there for both Casbold and Cruiser on the weekend. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was sort of wondering if we if that was actually Cruiser or some imposter. So who knows how long Murphy's actually going to be out for because we were initially told that it was going to be eight or nine weeks for Casbolt and three or four for Cruiser. And they were back a week and a half later. So, so Murphy could be back tomorrow. Murphy could be playing on the weekend for all I know. Um, Geelong have got GWS Kangas at Skilled mm-hmm. Stadium. Uh, Geelong to rebound against GWS? Oh, it's a hard it's a hard one to pick. Uh, I would seem it's at Skilled, and I'll, I'll pick Geelong, but just... Uh, I don't have a lot of trust in them, let's just say that. Stevie J coming back for his first game against Geelong uh, since he left. So, mm. that might be fun. Might I be. don't know. I, I, think, uh, I think GWS could pinch this one. You think you think Geelong will be that long in confidence you're going to lose three in a row? Yeah. Two weeks ago, they were grand final you know, favourites. And the Giants did beat Geelong back in round two. Hmm. Well, Second time they faced this year. One of the quirks of the draw, as it were. Seppo, Gold Coast have got the Swans at Metricon Stadium. <laughs> in what, in what uh, respected Hawthorne moderator and Bigfooty admin... Messenger would refer to as a game not to allow your kids to watch, I suspect. An absolute bloodbath. An oh, absolute I, bloodbath. I, I thought that Suns would have um, improved, you know, with Ablett and May and some of those guys coming back when they took on the Eagles last week, but they uh, showed as much resistance as a wet lettuce leaf, so I think it's a similar story here with Swans going up after their big win over North, and, um, yeah, it's a one-way result here too. Mm. And... Uh, Fremantle have got Essendon on Saturday evening at Domain Stadium. Now, uh, I'd let Seppo try and uh, tell us his team's going to win, but I'm not sure anyone's really going to buy it at the moment. And the question here might be as to which team's going to tank more, Mike. (laughs) Domain, I don't know. I've got a feeling that 
Freo might uh, might notch up their first win of the season. If it was at uh, if it was in Melbourne, I'd say Essendon would be favourites. But at the main, I don't know. I think Freo might just get a bit of a pump of home crowd and, and win one. I think I think the bookies actually have Essendon as favourites at the moment, in this game. <laughs> um, which is a bit funny. But um, as I'm waiting for those odds to come up now, no. Yeah, Essendon three seventy. The Dockers a dollar twenty eight. So that's a lie. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Seppo, how's your team going to go, mate? Uh, well, like I said just before, we've uh, already had another couple of injuries, but I think it might be time we start to get some young blood back into the side, and some guys like Mundy should uh, turn around our fortunes. And after watching two good quarters against the Saints, I think we've shown that we can actually play some decent footy. Just got to string it together for four quarters to make it seem legit and be in front at the end of the game. So I, I don't care if we win by one point or 100, but I just uh, I do want to win against Essendon. But uh, I suppose it's a win-win or a lose-lose, however you look at it, because if we uh, if we do lose, it's hello pick one. Mm. And I don't know what the uh, the uh, touted number one draft pick will be, if it's that Sexton guy everyone's been talking about, or Seaton or whatever his name is. He, um, yeah, it might be a, a race to pick one and... And, you know, if they don't introduce this lottery system before the end of the year, it might be uh, <laughs> a great way for us to beat Essendon to pick one. And let alone that, the um, all the associations that go with it, like, a, you know, first nab in the um, pre-season draft, if they're still doing that, or any other concessions, we'll take them at the moment. Mm-hmm. Might need them. Uh, Gold, no, sorry, Collingwood have got Port Adelaide on Sunday at uh, 1.10 in the afternoon. Uh, this game at the MCG, Kangas. Uh, Hollywood's had a few injuries but I just don't trust Port like I used to Port's playing a little bit better of late but I just I see Collingwood at home puts it in their favour slightly mm. Collingwood to continue uh, a small resurgence perhaps uh, no cloak apparently this weekend I think no. he might get a reprieve I've heard late news that he looked like he might get the call up no. same here I heard that it looks like he's getting a call up Oh, they've got a lot of injuries, so I'd say they would. At some point, they're going to have no choice. Uh, the Bulldogs have got West Coast. Mike, uh, I'll let you defend your team momentarily, but Seppo is going to tell me who's going to win this. Seth, Eddie Head? Uh, it, it is Eddie, Eddie Head, and I'm getting the Bulldogs here. I think this is another West Coast travelling. No good. Um, I think they've actually lost the last two times they've had to travel that Eddie had to play the Blues. So, I mean, not the Blues, the, um, the Bulldogs, so... Um, I'm going to give it to the Bulldogs here, and I think you know they just showed a bit in that last. I know Collingwood were probably struggling the last quarter, but I think some of the players are starting to find form now for the Dogs, and hopefully the Eagles don't travel too well. And uh, yeah, the Bulldogs can get the uh, chocolates here at Eddie Head. Sep, uh, Mike, how's your team going to go? I think we should win. Um, I think probably by about four or five goals. I, as I, I agree with Sepo that. West Coast are just not travelling well away, and if it had been at uh, the main stadium, I would have actually tipped West Coast, but given it's Melbourne Eddie had where dogs typically tend to play better, I'm going to tip the dogs for this one. Mm. Yeah, I don't think anyone... I don't think any serious football follower at the moment is putting any stock in the ability of West Coast to win away, despite them beating Port at Adelaide Oval. Mm. It um, seems to have been an anomaly in their season. We'll see how the second half of the year goes, though, I guess. Uh, last game for the round, Sunday afternoon at Adelaide Oval. Adelaide have got St Kilda. Uh, Seppo, how's this game going to go? 
Uh, I'm not convinced by St Kilda. I just saw them on the weekend. I think Adelaide, all with uh, Eddie Betts in form from last week, they're um, certainly looking like they should be a top eight contender. I think, um, yeah, it's going to be a nice Adelaide win here. And I think Saints will probably um, just go back to their losing form, being a bit shaky, but definitely going to give the uh, points to Adelaide here. In the time, yeah, I reckon. tend to yeah. agree. I can't really see St Kilda having any chance of beating Adelaide. They're in form. Um, they're starting to string the form together more importantly and win a couple of games. So I think uh, it's going to be pretty much a one-horse race. The Saints yep. aren't doing too bad. Though. I mean, they're not doing great, but they're not doing... Well, they're not doing awful. No, they're, they're not awful. It's, they're, it's... You're right. They are inside. They are not awful, but I don't think they've really got the ability at this stage to come up against... Adelaide, who were in pretty decent form, I'd say. I don't know. This season's throwing up some uh, some weird happenings occasionally. I think any team except maybe Brisbane and the Gold Coast could win on their day if if they've got well, and maybe Frio. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, any other team, I mean, they're they're a potential shot against anyone except maybe Sydney at the moment, and maybe North. I mean, it took the Swans to beat North, so... Yeah. Who knows? Um, what are you looking forward to the most from this round, guys? Uh, Kangas? Um, in terms of games, probably the Geelong GWS games probably excited me. Two pretty good sides going at it. So, not looking forward so much to my team. I don't think it's going to be a pretty game, game. So, I think Geelong GWS, probably Bulldogs West Coast might be a bit of a shoot, hopefully, so... Yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, Seppo, what are you looking forward to, mate? I'm looking forward to finding out what rule of the week is from the uh, Friday night game down at um, Tassie with Kangaroos and Richmond. And <laughs> I think if it's a bit of a, a wet one, there'll be a lot of sliding, and they'll be talking about you know players going to the legs, and there'll be you know people diving on the ball. So I'm actually looking forward to uh, finding out what rule of the week is. Mm-hmm. Mike, what are you looking forward to, mate? <laughs> actually, that same game too. I think North Melbourne and Richmond. I think that's actually a danger game for North. Um, I'm not sure why, but I get a feeling that it will be, and, and Richmond will uh, come close um, and uh, are definitely in for a chance. Um, other than that, really, there's not too many other games that really have any level of interest apart from uh, the Dogs Eagles game. So it looks like just one of those sort of lacklustre weekends and I think the main focus or the main uh, attraction will be on uh, Friday night. Oh, sorry, I'll, I'll, what was I going to say? Geelong GWS, sorry, I'll take that back. Geelong GWS, yep, I'm tipping GWS for a, uh, a win there, but um, over those three games, the rest of it looks pretty uh, predictable. That skill level that's going to be on display on Saturday night with uh, Dockers and Bombers won't attract your eye at all, no? <laughs> I was going to say, uh... I think I'll be washing my hair that night. Sebo? I think I think the games uh, I'm looking forward to the most Carlton and Brisbane. I'm expecting the Blues to go six and five and give the finger to all their critics who predicted they wouldn't win more than four games for the year. Um, the game against Fremantle Essendon is just going to be Oz kick level. It's, hey, <laughs> hey, don't you say that about Oz kick level? It's it's going to be women's <laughs> footy level. That's that's that's. Where oh. It's... <laughs> oh, I didn't. Say Someone's that. not going on the female. Women's podcast again. Already recorded it tonight. (laughs) That was a joke, guys. Please don't send hate mail to me. Um, If you have any complaints about the podcast, please send them to support at (laughs) bigfooty.com and address them to Chief. He he loves that sort of thing. Um, Look, I think uh, 
Yeah, no. Otherwise, the Geelong GWS game is the one that holds the interest for me. I really think uh, GWS are having a, a a reasonably good season. I think that they could get up over Geelong. I think clubs are starting to work out how to play them a bit. Um, and nothing more than I like, nothing better than seeing Geelong lose at home too. So, North Melbourne and Richmond, I'd love to see North lose because I just think they're. I hate Jared Waite, so... <laughs> and, and that will continue on the tradition of North copying Frio's run last year. Nine who's, straight wins and then two straight losses, so... Mm-hmm. It is who's destined. bitter now? Who, who's bitter now, hey? <laughs> I'm always... I don't, know, I don't know who you're talking to here, mate, but I'm always <laughs> like this. <laughs> so. Anything about Jared Waite and Eddie Betts always, always uh, tugs at the strings, doesn't uh, it? See, Eddie Betts, did, it wasn't his fault. Eddie, Eddie Betts, the club, didn't come to the party. Jared Waite, he he played like a, a... No, I can't say that, but he, he played like an idiot for the first half of the season, and once he knew he'd gone, he didn't tell anyone at the club he was going. He started playing like Batman in the second half of the season <laughs> and then left. Uh, and Lockie Henderson did the same thing when he went to Geelong, which is why yeah, on the weekend he yeah, got the crap yeah. food out of him. I mean, it could be racism, who knows? But uh, I'm pretty sure Lockie Henderson's a white guy, so it's uh, controversy. No. Um, anyway, <laughs> that's, anyone else got anything you want to throw in before we sign off? No, I'm not sure if you've covered it off earlier, but do you think Eddie Betts has goal of the year wrapped up with that effort? Oh, at the moment, I'd say yes. I think it's going to be hard to beat that. I think he did something similar last year where he won it from a little snap along the boundary, so I think he's got that one wrapped up and... Yeah, it's going to be hard to beat. Yeah, yes, yes, it is. Um, anyone else? No, I'm good. No, all good. Alrighty, I reckon uh, that'll be it for us then for tonight. Thank you very much to everyone who's come on. Uh, Kangas, thanks for making an appearance again. Thank you. Uh, whenever we need someone to defend North Melbourne, also oh, we have to have a North Melbourne influence on the podcast, <laughs> I'm told, uh, from the North Melbourne board. So thanks for coming, Kangas. Anytime. And uh, thanks for coming again uh, for our slings and arrows, Seppo. No worries, and I'll be enjoying the death of Owen this week. Really? I, I'm expecting it to be the worst game of football since... <laughs> I don't know, Carlton played the Western Bulldogs in 1991 <laughs> at that, in a game where they only oh, kicked a goal Mark, and time on in the fourth quarter. <laughs> so, bloody Mark Arcieri, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I was at that game that day. It was appalling. But... Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and thanks very much for coming in uh, Mike on that note that's alright always a pleasure and uh, cheerio to Seppo who's off getting his gender reassignment surgery uh, <laughs> we wish him all the best uh, this evening and uh, I've of course been the Wookiee thank you very much for listening we'll see you all on the forums